0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. So I have a story to tell. I have these two dogs. Very true story. I have these two dogs. um, Kind of terrier, uh, yorkie-type dogs. uh, (laughs) Different ages. One's a bit older than the other. (laughs) Even down to... uh, the color of their fur. One's black, one's white. Uh, they're both pretty friendly. One's a bit high strung, the other's a bit laid back. And so the dogs and I go for a walk. And when we go for a walk, oh, I should tell you this. One has good eyesight, <laughs> and the other one not so good eyesight. So when we go for a walk. It's always an interesting proposition. Generally speaking, the one's a bit high strung, the one that maybe has the more of the terrier in them. Uh, the one that's a little bit more uh, on edge or edgy is the one with the better eyesight. And uh, with that then kind of leads the other along. Uh, I think it's just a natural inclination for, for the other because without such good sight, maybe not being so vigilant, the other just seems to be more inclined to be a follower. So here we go. We're going for our walk and uh, up ahead is, to my knowledge, I know it to be a bag in the middle of the sidewalk. However, the two dogs uh, really aren't quite as good at determining what it was or weren't as good at or aren't as good as determining what it is or what it was as I am or was then. And one of the dogs perceived it to be a bag. (laughs) And in that then, really not much to get excited about. However, the other dog perceived it to be a squirrel. And as you might imagine, which of the two perceived it in which of the two ways that I described it? uh, the notion was one was going crazy and the other one didn't know what was going on at all. Until (laughs) the one that was going crazy actually convinced the one that probably was more accurate, factual, it was simply a bag, that it was something more. And with that, then persuaded, influenced, (laughs) the one who was a bit more laid back, to uh, go into an equal frenzy, (laughs) attack mode. Now, of course, when we got up there, what we discovered was it was a bag. And though the wind had blown it around a bit, it wasn't in the least bit either threatening or interested itself in escaping. And eventually, both the dogs realized it was a (laughs) non-incident or should have been treated like that in the first place. So... What does this have to do with anything? Well, maybe more than might initially meet the eye. Maybe there's a bit more significance here uh, than it might sound uh, on initial uh, listen to. Psychology Today, April of 2022, not the way I see it. We may be more likely to deny psychological research when it contradicts our lived experience. Psychological research can help shine a light on why humans think, feel, and act the way we do. Yet when a finding doesn't match up with someone's identity or personality, new research warns that person may be more likely to discredit it, potentially increasing public distrust in psychological, psychology itself. In five studies, participants responded to two personality psychology findings, that people who believe in God are more likely to locate their self in their heart than in their head, and that conscientiousness is negatively correlated with lateness. Participants rated how closely their lived experiences matched up with the findings, how comfortable they were with them, and how much they denied their veracity. They also completed measures of the Big Five and other relevant traits. Participants who perceived their personal experience as inconsistent with the research were more likely to feel uncomfortable with it and deny it than those who found the findings congruent with their personality. How much their actual personality scores matched up was a less consistent predictor of discomfort and denialism. Perceptions are everything, says study author Nicholas Evans, a Ph.D. candidate at the University of Texas at El Paso. Feeling different from everyone else, even if that's based more on perception than fact, can be mentally uncomfortable. A natural reaction to reduce the discomfort is to deny the science. Denying the conscientiousness is linked to personality may seem benign, but it could bolster pre-existing distrust in psychology, Evans argues, with consequences that extend far beyond personality science. For example, if people are skeptical of findings on the importance of mental health, they may not take mental health issues seriously or could downplay the negative impact of mental illness. Scientists and journalists, Evans say, should be conscious of their language when sharing discoveries, noting how strong effects are, and if there are caveats. Otherwise, people may believe that the findings do or should apply to everyone, and that's rarely ever the case. Psychological research contradicting lived experience doesn't make either invalid, he stresses. We're all unique. Having experiences that don't align with research simply highlights that. The article is written by Devon Fry, Not the way I see it. We may be more likely to deny psychological research when it contradicts our lived experience. So... Though it was never intention to be such, I guess every experience when you take your dog for a walk could be a little bit of, a, of a, an experiment, depending on what you might run into. Any of those of you in, who are listening right now to the podcast who have dogs might already have appreciated that fact or would appreciate that fact more so, having owned dogs. However, my dogs were kind of, in the same way, the article in one of those differences (laughs) in terms of personality, as I tried to capture that at the beginning of the podcast, but and temperament that goes with that, but perception. (laughs) One was keenly aware, had apparatus, if we could call it that that made that perception or awareness much better than the other. (laughs) Oddly enough, the one with the deficit was more right or correct in the scenario I presented or the story I gave you. Uh, In the end, it turned out to be simply a bag, not a squirrel. But at the same time, I'm not sure that was based on anything more than (laughs) poor eyesight And uh, a little bit more of a laid-back temperament. And with that less likelihood of expecting, expectancy. And uh, what would one expect? Uh, Who knows? (laughs) On a walk. Maybe that's the whole notion of, uh, from a dog's world, a dog's perception and perspective, uh, maybe everything's an adventure Depending again on whether you're more hyper or more laid back, I guess it could be more or less adventurous. Uh, What's fascinating though about this story and particularly then again this article is that the further you move from physiology, awareness and perception, into what I'm going to call consciousness, uh, the less likely it is that the factuality <laughs> the reality really matters and uh, should it uh, have kind of a bit of that movement uh, should there even be some what of a, of a measure of discrepancy <laughs> as the article might call it dissonance um, I don't know Uh, we take in data information. Initially, psychology started there. It was more a study of physiology and those who were launching out into this sort of new realm of uh, awareness, self, uh, perception, much like uh, I speculate uh, when I think about my dogs and maybe I attribute personality to them when it's Undo or really not factual. I don't know. Anthropomorphizing, I think, is, is the term, the correct term, where we put on to inanimate objects or, in this case, animals or animate. But we don't know what they're thinking. And I don't know really if that's their personality, except that I would begin to define them, uh, give some sort of definition for my benefit to them. Uh, and with that, I suppose it's got something to do with human operations and navigating the world. And it helps to have some sort of sense of what's going on around us. And with that, a narrative, a storyline uh, that is consistent and tight and has some integrity. And, uh, you know, these aren't all presumptions about human function. I think this is genuinely what we have found when we consider such things as uh, physiology, psychology beginning with that whole idea of just human operations in a physical dimension and moving itself to a place of not only awareness, but interpretation, consciousness uh, of what it is that all of that means. It has to be interpreted, has to be put together in some sort of communicable, Translatable sort of way. Uh, not only the world to us, us to the world, but certainly us to each other. And in the case of my dogs, I do a lot of communicating with my dogs. And believe me, I was trying to calm the hyper vigilant, the hyper one down a bit. <laughs> so we didn't go, it didn't, he didn't go berserk. And in that, the walk was <laughs> incredibly uh, too adventurous for me, disruptive. But as psychology moved from physiology to more of this consciousness, it did move away from something that was much more easily measured, uh, brain size, <laughs> uh, whether all the apparatus were fully developed physiologically uh, into the realm of what we presume to be some sort of operational definition of uh, thought and emotional processing, thinking, thinking, cognitive processes and then with that emotional processing or processes uh, to the place where it can become and has probably moved maybe a bit far, I don't know if too far, I want to say too far, to a place of more interpretation. But then that kind of gets back to what I was trying to capture a few moments ago. Maybe that isn't such to be concerned, too much to be concerned about in terms of dissonance As long as we don't move so far away from the reality uh, that we miss the most obvious things, the difference between a bag and a squirrel. (laughs) And maybe, again, in terms of dogs, uh, that doesn't really matter, right? Uh, Because squirrels aren't necessarily that lethal. Maybe in terms of humanity, though, uh, it's important to recognize at least what's threatening and what isn't threatening. Uh, for the sake of our bodies being able to function most adaptively, and just the reality that you can't live in in that hypervigilant state all the time. And what kind of world would it be if every time we took a walk we saw a threat or something that excited us to that point where we were spazzing out? (laughs) We were in a frenzy. And uh, with that, we were beginning to convince everybody around us (laughs) to spaz out with us because otherwise why would one person be or a dog be spazzing out if there wasn't legitimately some reason to uh much to be said though for mass hysteria maybe not on today's podcast maybe but maybe not so this idea though is that that what we say it is in terms of our own sense of well-being in terms of our own sense of understanding the world I used the the word navigate earlier to capture it, to uh, uh, understand even what it takes to do life, but then also do life well, to remove as much as we can all the implicit threats that get back to that most bottom of lines, uh, survival, uh, to a place where not only are we surviving, but we can do that with a certain element of quality. Uh, and maybe some frivolity. <laughs> we really, everything we do does not have to be about life or death. Uh, and we could turn that system, the sympathetic nervous system, off a bit, turn the norepinephrine and adrenaline down a bit, if not at times as close to off as it gets, and at the same time turn on the parasympathetic where we can not only eat well, sleep well, our body gets a chance to rest in a way, restorative rest in a way that not only physically but psychologically, where we can pursue self-actualization, those highest order of functions, rather than simply once again survival. And maybe that's part of why psychology has moved that direction. The further we've moved from actual survival, life or death, uh, where am I going to get my food today? Uh, How am I going to make sure I get it for tomorrow? How am I going to protect the ones that are part of my social system, my... uh, Group, my people, <laughs> uh, family included in that. Uh, from the wiles and all the threats that go on with natural order and natural existence in a material context, maybe the further we've moved away from that, maybe the more secure we felt. Then we've taken the liberty to focus more on and indulge than more the self-actualization component. <laughs> I would say, though, that it would not take much to reset that. I'm going to take a moment (laughs) to remind you, our podcast listeners, uh, that you're listening to Word with Dave Clay. So what does that reset? Uh, Take away all that security. Take away all those things that would then allow us that confidence, uh, courage to uh, not worry so much to go ahead and explore (laughs) the self-indulgent, the self-actualization component because all the other stuff has been taken care of. Most people aren't starving. Most people have safety and security. Most, I say most, not everyone, most. Those that don't, uh, obviously, their reset is uh, already Uh, occurred. They're uh, functioning in a survival mode depending on just how threatening their world is and maybe in that sense there is a bit of dissonance, uh, discrepancy between those two lives. The one that would then have that security and then the life that would not and how do you bring those two worlds together. Hopefully our society, our culture deals with that more in smaller margin uh, more on the fringe. I think we're going to always have to deal with that because there's always going to be threat uh, in some dimension. There's always going to be accident, unforeseen circumstances, situations that put people in in those sorts of compromised sort of places. There's always going to be people who are either abusive. Uh, negligent. Uh, I I wish it would be that we could remove that completely. The likelihood, in my opinion, is very small. Uh, There's always going to be a cause effect that brings about that kind of uh, live and let die, uh, as it might have been described, uh, sort of orientation to life. But again, thankfully for most of us, we don't have to focus on that so much. So then our definition of reality begins to be less tied to physical survival or existence in that sort of way, and probably not only leaves the door open to, as we might go through that passage, that doorway, into this uh, sort of realm of self-actualization, just the reality, so to speak, of a lot of differences a lot of different ways of looking at life. Uh, a, a lot of um, diversity would be a good word to use. And, and so maybe you can make the case with my dog study, uh, as I presented it earlier. Maybe the dogs just don't have the capacity to think in those kind of terms. I think that's probably there's some factual reality to that. And so they may not get into too much of that consciousness or conscious awareness. However, humans do. (laughs) And as then we would then, or once more, kind of take a look at the differences, the diversity, it really then kind of lives up to the namesake of the article. Uh, It's not our perception, but rather what I'm going to call our presumption, (laughs) which just basically means, again, according to our personal experiences in life, yes, But also, what we have been told, what we have come to consider in some conscious sort of way as a way of tying all this together around or within that that sort of scope of a narrative, a story, everybody's story can be different. I don't know if it always should be different. There has to be enough commonality that we can hang out with each other or at least enough of an acceptance That not everybody's going to perceive things or or, or come to an awareness. The perceptions may be, no, I'm going to go back to that. Not everybody's going to perceive things identically or equally because not all human apparatus is the same. Some have more, some have less, acuity, development, maturation. Some may have disabilities, impairments. That's a fact. But beyond that more general sort of (laughs) notion... The diversity, the ability then to focus our energy and attention not on safety issues or security issues or survival issues, means that we should expect many, many, many different ways of looking at things. And as we would then be able to uniformly, as in some sort of concerted way, make sure that we don't move so far away from that reality of survival that we miss the whole point of working together for the sake of survival, existence. We're probably going to have to understand, (laughs) not only is diversity a good thing in terms of creativity, but diversity is more superficial in this notion. It doesn't mean it's superficial in terms of who you are as a person or even your convictions when it comes to your belief. More than even your head, maybe as the article seems to suggest, didn't get into much detail about, but maybe it's more of a heart thing the further on you go uh, into this. But at the same time, though, when it comes to survival and the basic instinct, the human instinct to survive... uh, you really get a reset real quick when life becomes a bit threatening. Uh, The idea of working together for the benefit of all probably becomes much more prominent and tantamount when there's a risk, not only to the individual, but to all of us. I mentioned earlier that most of us don't suffer abuse and or neglect. We're not starving to death. We have resources uh so that our physical existence isn't a moment by moment even more than or even so than day by day but even more than a moment by moment consideration but when most of us would get to that point when life would be threatened in that more general or global sort of way all of humanity maybe will look at it a little differently but until that time comes what we come to presume life to be, based on what our experiences of life have been, is as much a measure of what one might call reality as is then the more pragmatic aspects of truth and fact. Uh, The physiology is, again, for the most part, universal, but Personality being more attached to this idea of presumption, narrative, choice, that has more to do with consciousness than it has to do with bodily biological function. And both realms, the physiological and then the more, I guess, psychological in this sort of way, as I'm trying to depict it, they have to be reconciled to some extent within the individual. And probably for the sake of just hanging out and having some sort of mutual uh, gratification. People who think a bit like you for the sake of our social natures and all those things that go with that. You know, maybe we do surround ourselves with people who think similarly or have a similar storyline or narrative. But unless that would get so diverse that we could not come back to some sort of a centering motion something that brings us back to some ground zero or some core mandate to work together, to, to at least accept one another, uh, to get along in that way for the sake of survival, we probably then are going to have to consider when we talk about physiology. It's not just the physiological and maybe more so it isn't even simply a correction because physiology in that way might be even more easily corrected with things interventions such as medicine for instance than trying to make sense of some tragedy and what is it that then really does also kind of precipitate in most of our lives this reconsideration of our life but those kind of traumas tragedies that really do bring us to a place of realizing, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) There's something about life and death here. Not only quality of life, but quantity of life that we can't forget. When you work with someone, when I work with someone, that's my intention, is to understand their meaning and purpose (laughs) as they've come to determine it. And with that, not to miss or fail to recognize the physiological and the organic and the biological components that are really based to all of this sort of psychology or consciousness, this sort of realm of of, uh, perception turned awareness, turned uh, meaning and purpose and narrative. But because most people aren't in a life or death circumstance... Um, a lot of the conversation points are about, well, what does this mean to you in your life? Is there a possibility that you're going through a trauma, a loss, a a situation that sort of is a reminder of that base? (laughs) Really, it all comes back to quantity as much as it does quality and how do we contend with the the reality that all of us are going to one day expire our existence is going to cease so there is a lot to be said for the differences but at the same time there's a lot to be said for how do we dialogue about that not only again with each other but when you're looking at it from the lens of psychology and maybe more focused on what we think life should be and the quality and this notion of self-actualization. It's unique to the person. Yes, I always try to take it back to a more sociological or social dimension. and I, I am, again, once more keenly aware of literal risks to survival. Some might say that there's a risk to at any point along the way, even if it's not physically going to kill you, it could seem like it is and and maybe there's situations that try to destroy your personality or who you think you are. But the good news there is that if medicine is maybe easier to fix the physiological, if one is open to at least understanding that aspect of choice that we've come to where we are in terms of what we think our presumption, which is a bias, but it's all built upon somebody's interpretation. Maybe that does, if that message can get across in that way, maybe it does mean we can step back for a minute and say, well, you know, it didn't kill you. How do we Adjust who you are. We don't want to kill who you are psychologically. You don't risk something killing you psychologically, or in that sense, I don't want to take anything away from you that feels so threatening that you're going to give up your identity, who you are. Uh, you're not going to be asked to kill it. But we are going to be asked to modify it, maybe to change it. Maybe it's just for the sake of getting along. Maybe it's because somehow like the dog story uh, study. Uh, Maybe the first one had the right perception uh, and maybe not so much with conscientious awareness or consciousness or an awareness. Maybe that was me just projecting it on the dog. But I was okay with the laid back. Of course, because I knew it was only a bag. But there's a lot of people that are are overreactive. They're hypervigilant based on, again, some perception of threat. Maybe, again, all that starts with some actual, in in an empirical way, experiential way, a legitimate threat. But however one has gotten there, uh, yelling fire in a crowded theater is against the law for a really good reason. Because although there may not be a fire, you can convince, mass hysteria, you could convince everybody in the theater that something is greatly going wrong here and that it seems like from that reaction or from what we're hearing and what we're seeing that we should be worried about it. And many times that's all it takes to trigger But when we look at life that way, there's plenty of opportunities for somebody to yell fire. But it doesn't mean that there legitimately is a fire. It doesn't mean that even in that sense that all loss is bad. It doesn't mean that that all loss is going to end with less afterwards than what you had before. Growth has a certain dimension of loss, which isn't really killing. It's just asking to adapt and modify incorporate new paradigms new perspectives uh, except the diversity you can be different if you want to be we can all be unique individuals there's plenty of room for that but again the further once more the further we get into that sort of thinking though don't take that we can't take that as permission to think that everybody else is the same way or that this is the only way to live life And with that, then end up not only hurting ourselves or wanting to kill others. (laughs) And so we can create more problems. Uh, Psychological counseling can help with actualization. It can be focused on growth. And if you have the resources, if you have the safety and security to pursue those things, fantastic, but at the same time realize there are many people who don't and they're going to be handling situations differently, but you don't have to be as reactive as them. And hopefully we can help them get to the place where they can have that same stability, security, have all those basic needs met so they can pursue those highest order pursuits or uh, 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 want desires to be self-actualized or take those sort of uh, uh, risks and chances in that sort of way, the courage to face that uh, in that way of being something different. But accepting, though, that difference is probably less important than universality or commonality when it comes to survival may not be a bad thing. So for me, the article by Devin Fry in Psychology Today, April 2022. Not the way I see it. We may be more likely to deny psychological research when it contradicts our lived experience doesn't mean that the research is wrong, it just means our lived experience, depending on where we are in terms of safety, security, in terms of, I've been speaking of Maslow's hierarchy when I speak of self-actualization, whether we have all those basic needs met so we can pursue those higher order sort of accomplishments, directions. Uh, that may be where the diversity is and why we're left with still at times overriding the science. It doesn't apply. It's there, but the contingencies aren't. Uh, So it's not a life or death situation. And when you're not really forced to see it that way, Uh, or if you have, again, the freedom to not have to be fixated or obsessed with those kind of just basic security needs being met, the primary drives being met, uh, maybe you you can indulge yourself a bit. We just don't want to do it to such an extent that uh, we harm one another Uh, or we don't want to believe it to be such the reality that we end up harming ourselves because we're way out there. Uh, And at some point, we don't want to admit (laughs) we're wrong. So, not the way I see it. I agree. But we can allow there to be differences and still help one another and still be able to make sufficient reconciliation dependent upon, contingent upon, just that, those contingencies uh, that work out for everyone. Everyone. I again want to remind you, our podcast listeners, you're listening to Word with Dave Clay, and I hope that this podcast is helpful, and should it be, of course, I want to invite you back to our next edition of Word, Uh, and until then, good health and good mental health.